1: All right, so today is uh, what we call Q&A, something we're going to be doing. Um, We're doing these weekly calls uh, for the purpose of really just kind of helping those of you, especially who are newer to Empowered Man, really get an understanding of what we do, who we are, et cetera. Um, So we're not going to go like too deep in any topics, um, but I'm definitely going to answer your questions. Today is just kind of an open open forum, um, so there's not like a particular agenda. What's your best advice for setting boundaries in co-parenting? That's a great one. <laughs> so the way I look at co-parenting is twofold. One, it really depends on the the actual uh, agreement you have with the courts. So, for example, is this something where there's already a divorce taking place and you guys are already split up 50-50, or if it's more of a you know you have it or she has it uh, more custody. So, for my for my situation specifically, I have my kids eighty percent of the time, and so. My ex-wife only sees them 20% of the time. Um, I don't really involve her in too many decisions uh, unless it's mandated by the court, but I'm not asking like, Hey, should I get the kids a haircut this week? Or, Hey, can I get my daughter's ears pierced or, or whatever? Um, I make a lot of those decisions without her. Um, part of it's just also because of uh, the things that my ex-wife struggles with. Um, it doesn't make sense to bring up a lot of those things so our co-parenting is very different from the norm so normal co-parenting i would say boundaries um, usually have to do around communication so for example like i like starting at the basic fundamental level which is how you're going to communicate with each other um and so you know when you're dealing with boundaries in a person that you are no longer in a relationship with i think one of the easiest things to do is just create boundaries for yourself and then ask them if they want to participate in, in creating boundaries as well. Right. So for example, you could say, Hey, so I've been thinking about, um, you know, some boundaries for us while we're, we're going through this co-parenting journey. Um, I've come up with a few for myself that I wanted to share with you, um, if you'd like, not all boundaries need to be shared by the way. Okay. Um, and you basically express those boundaries to her, um, and say, you know, is there any boundaries that you have that, you know, that you would like to share? And if not, it's fine. Right. Um, you know, it, really boundaries are for you more than anything, especially in, these situations where you're dealing with someone who wants out of the actual marriage. Hopefully that helps. Can you talk about leadership and developing vision? Um, That's a good one. Um is there a context for that Larry?
2: Yeah, no, I'm just I'm just curious uh, mainly like what your general principles are as far as it could be career-oriented or just life-oriented. I'm I'm so just a little bit of context. I'm 54. Um pretty far along in my career. You and I have talked a little bit about that before. And yeah. just kind of looking at where do I want to go from here and kind of what are some good practices, processes you put yourself through that maybe helped with creating that
1: vision for the future. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, and 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 guys, if you're listening and you're like, well, that doesn't apply, dude, it applies to you, trust me. Um, Larry's just <laughs> in a different part of his journey, but don't let that fool you, right? Um, he's gone through the same stuff that you've gone through. He's just a little further along than probably most of you on here, um, other than the Thrive guys that are here. So the way I look at it is this is like, it's kind of like you have to have, you have to have preparation time before you have execution time and mm-hmm. so my preparation time is never wasted i believe that principle heavily um preparation time is never wasted so when i look at my prep time i go what am i doing or what do i need to do to allow myself to grow into the next phase of my life where there's where i'm going into a strength not from a place of weakness but at the same time that i'm not overthinking things to the place where i'm not moving in faith but moving out of fear and so because there's an easy it's it's easy to kind of go okay, like a lot of people, especially in your age and like, as we get older as men, we we try to um, uh, hedge our bets a lot, right? And so we're like, we're like really afraid. Like we built this thing and we like built this castle and we're like afraid to move outside of that castle because like, well, what if this doesn't work? What if I lose everything, right? Like what if it all just falls apart? And And I'm telling you, even as someone who, you know, I, I run a pretty successful business and uh, we've been, we've done really well for ourselves. Um, that thought does not, not cross my mind. Meaning like there's, there's still always that little thought, like, what if it goes away? What if yeah. men stop wanting my help? Like, like there, that always is going to be there. And so to me, it's just one of those demons you have to just like overcome and just basically tell to shut the fuck up um, because it doesn't rule my life. Um, and, and that's just the way it's going to be. Right. So I look at it as like, man, if there's a, if there's a thing, if there's a passion, or if there's something that like makes sense to you, because every every guy's different. Some guys look at it from a passion standpoint. Other guys look at it from like more of a logical investor standpoint. And they're like, man, I, I want to invest in this like franchise or I want to do something here because like I see the opportunity, right? It's really about opportunity. So then you look at opportunity cost. What is this costing me by not doing this, right? And then it becomes risk reward, Um I also love to use um, a lot of uh, second and third order of consequences as my decision making. So if you look at um, anything that's created by Ray Dalio, um, he talks a lot about this. There's a couple other people you can Google it. second order, third order consequences. And it's the idea that first order consequence is if I invest in this, the very best thing that's going to happen is I'll make a return on my money, right? And I just use Mm -hmm. this as a basic principle. So if I invest in this franchise and change careers, now I'm a franchise owner. The best case first order consequence is I'll make more money second order consequence would be what if it doesn't work right so second order consequence looks a little bit deeper and then third order consequence is a consequence of the second order right and so you literally just follow it down i can't go into too much detail on this okay. um but if that at least helps you kind of get a periphery that's basically literally how i make all my leadership decisions and that's in house too internally when i look at my team when i look at whatever i always use second and third order consequences because by doing that it allows me to like really, really think through things. Cause I'll get something and I'll just be like, Oh, we're going with, we're going to do this guys. This is what we're going to do. We're going to do this five day challenge. We're going to do this thing. And the team might look at me like, okay. And they'll follow me wherever I go. But there have been times, And I purposely have put people on my team purposely to challenge me to go, but is that the best route right now? Not, you know, never like calling me out or anything, but just like asking myself that. And I'll have to look at it. and I'll think about, okay, what's second order consequence? What's third order consequence of us doing this? And if the, if the risk reward is still there and it's like man the reward so far is out far outweighs that second and third order consequence I, I gotta go for it right uh it's it's really looking at that upside down uh, upside potential versus the downside risk is is, is kind of how i do it um ray dalio i think would be a great source to look at he's got a good book on it called principles it's a really thick meaty book but it's really good for leadership um, and then vision really to me just comes back to uh, my own personal vision and how i spend time by myself at a coffee shop or whatever, writing, reading. I get a lot from reading books. Um, and and those books inspire me. And then and then I, I usually take notes on my my iPad or my phone or whatever. And that's kind of how I develop um sort of some of those vision things. So me, it's vision is all about getting away from the noise and getting away from other people and getting away from other things, going into environments that stimulate you and give you and give you inspiration. Right. So me like Starbucks or, or uh, Black Rock Coffee, which is a local place around here. I go to those places and that inspires me, and gives me vision um, and helps me to like write and move down. And I think that's something everyone needs to do every week. I, I do that at least once a week, thinking about the future. I used to be one of the I used to be the opposite. I used to be this guy that like all I thought about was the future because I was avoiding the pain of today. And now it's right. like I'm the opposite where it's like I almost never want to think about the future because I'm so involved in the day to day of what I do. But that's made yeah. me a good leader, right? Because I couldn't I couldn't lead if I was just a dreamer because you're never actually right. accomplishing anything. Now I'm accomplishing stuff Then I'm like, oh yeah, I need to go take time to vision stuff. That's cool. I love doing that. Um, I call it being the boring CEO because I used to be, uh, uh, I, I just made my team, I drove them nuts with too many changes. So anyways, hopefully that answered I, your question, Larry. Yeah, go can ahead. Can I ask a little follow-up question? Yeah. So- so if
2: you let's say you're a little farther along in your own situation with Empowered Man and you've been doing yeah. it, let's say 15, 20 years and, and you've built it up to what you want it to be, but now you kinda you want to move into kind of the legacy phase and like you wanna you wanna you wanna pass on to others, yeah, your journey, what you've gathered. Yeah. Where 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 do you create the opportunities for that? You know, where do you I guess I'm looking for opportunities to Move into a role of sharing with others leadership principles and coaching things that, things of that nature that that you know um, possibly may not be right in your face and you're having to kind of explore and look and discover. I don't know yeah, if you, I mean, if you could kind of like put yourself in a in a situation like that and how you think you would approach it.
1: Well, I mean, I'm I'm very much I've always been an entrepreneur, so like I would just go start my own thing. <laughs> that's that's what I do. <laughs> so like that's that's just that's how my brain thinks. I mean, like when I was um, at my last like corporate job, I was a marketing manager and I wanted to ascend in the ranks of that company, but there was a ceiling there and I just couldn't go any further. And that was when I took the skill I learned as a marketing manager and created a business out of that skill. And then I left that job because I started making more money from that side hustle than I was making from the from the job I was at, right? So to me, that's always a big thing is like, if you're wanting to like go the entrepreneurial spouse or uh, entrepreneur route, it's about creating something out of nothing as a side hustle while you've got your basic nut being met. And then once there's enough there, there's a jump. You take a jump and it's a leap of faith but also knew if I leave and it doesn't work, I can easily go back to that job or I can find another job in, in that space because I created something that nobody else was doing. And it, you know, at the time it created a two and a half year business that I then parlayed into Empowered Man because I took the skills exactly. from that and was able to run Facebook ads, which drove the, you know, the business. I mean, it, had I not had that skill, I would have had to pay a lot of money out to other people to do what I already do. So as a marketer, I already had the advantage while we were able to grow so fast. that's awesome. So does that answer that's your awesome. question?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. I would
1: you. say, as a follow-up to this, Larry, I would say this. It's all about skill development, even in your 50s. It doesn't matter. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. that skill you can learn that's going to leverage and get you the, the greatest return in as quickly as time as possible. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Thanks, man. Thanks,
1: Larry. Yep. Jorge Arambula. I don't know how to say this, Arambula. Uh, what could she be doing if she cheated and now is being so nice and giving me all the sex that I want when it wasn't like that before? Okay, Jorge. Uh, That's a, that's a loaded ass question. Um, (laughs) I don't know much about your situation and whether or not you are still like, she's still actively cheating or not. Um, Maybe you could answer here. If she's, if she's actively cheating and you're still having sex with her, that's probably not a good idea. Um, I do not recommend uh, you continuing to do that. So, if she's giving you all the sex that you want, it's possible that she's a sex addict and um, is is giving you the sex that she wants and and from you and somebody else. So, I definitely would um like think about that. I don't. I don't that's not a good idea, in my opinion. Uh, Juan Cruz, my wife says she's done with me and she doesn't want to be married and wants to divorce asap. However, says okay, she hasn't filed. She's really not doing anything to get up on her feet, so she can be on her own. I wanted to save the relationship, and I do not want a divorce. But she made it clear what she wants. but hesitant about filing because I know she's not ready, but at the same time, I don't want to continue a marriage where it's one side and drag this out. Any suggestions or advice? This is a great question, Juan. It's something we we encounter all the time in, in, in Empowered Man. Um, the fact of the matter is, is you got to have the balls to do what you need to do. Uh, if you are sitting around waiting for her to make a decision, it's holding your life back. That's a problem. Now. If it's not holding your life back and you're able to what I call uh, uh, be a stand for your marriage, meaning that you are a husband in a wifeless marriage and you're able to do that for a season, then do it. Right. But if you're at a point where you're like, she's done in your mind and you're, and you're like, well, if she's done and, and, and I'm done because I have my reasons, you don't want to be done because she's done. What, what that looks like is, oh, fine, you're not going to play with me. I'm going to take my ball and go somewhere else then. It, it's childish behavior. Right. So if you're just trying to quote unquote divorce her, Because of that, in my mind, that's a, that's a problem. Um, You you need to like, if you're going to file for divorce from somebody, if you're going to like literally divorce someone, you better be fucking ready. And like, it can't be from a place of weakness. It can't be from a place of manipulation, because what you're about to go through is some of the hardest shit you've ever experienced in your life. It is, it is death in a lot of ways. Um, It's not the end of the world. Um, There is new beginnings at the end, as a lot of guys can attest to that have been with us for a while. There is something new that happens after that. But while you're going through it, uh, it, it, it cannot be that way. Um, so you've got to be ready for what is what is in, being countered. Uh, Juan, you had a follow-up here. She made it clear that she wants to look for someone else and is getting birth control to be able to do that. We're not having sex. She made it clear what she wants. Right, but Juan, at the, end, at the end of the day, I don't care what she wants. What I care about is what you want, right? You can't make an empowered decision based on somebody else's decision. You have to make the decision for you, not for her. That's where a lot of you guys just lose your power is because you're making these decisions based upon what she's saying, what she's doing. It's all hitting the fucking she button instead of hitting the me button, right? The me button is where you take responsibility for yourself and what you can control. You cannot control her getting birth, birth, uh you know, control. You can't control what she does. It's literally about you and what you can control. So you need to make that decision for yourself. Uh Is this Monsky Manahan? I hope this is, I hope I'm saying this right. Need advice? I can't move on. It's been seven months. Everything reminds me of her yeah um i mean seven months man like it's going to take years like you don't just get over your wife in like a minute um especially if you've been married for more than a year five years i don't even know um some people say it takes you know up to i don't know two years for every year married to to get over divorce and get over is is subjective language um some people are able to get over meaning they don't like think about it anymore but yet they never dealt with the pain there's a difference between getting over something and actually healing from something. I'm more a big favorite proponent of healing from something than just getting over it because getting over it, all you're doing is just burying the shit and then it'll come out in your next relationship. That's why I say it's so easy to get cut in one relationship and bleed on the next girl, right? If you don't deal with the cut, if you don't deal with the wound, you're going to bleed on the next person. That's why I'm not a big fan of dating somebody until you're ready to date, because if you can't bring all of you to that relationship, it's going to be really hard. Um, yeah, you have to feel. Exactly, David. Um, so hopefully that makes sense, um, Monsky. Rick Thram, wife and I are separated after I filed for divorce. I feel a great loss and miss her, but wasn't able to live in the chaos of her alcoholism. She still doesn't think she has a problem, even though she's, whoa, that's a lot of she's. Uh, even though she's been in treatment twice, is there a tactic for starting conversations about her getting help while she's terribly angry at me about leaving her? By the way, I filed for divorce four months ago and I wasn't prepared. All hardest time I've ever experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rick, it is the hardest thing. So I think my biggest question to you, Rick, is what, what is the purpose behind these conversations? Yeah. What is, what is the purpose of it? And why do you feel the need to uh, tell her she needs to get help? A lot of times this is where manipulation comes from is where guys are like, Oh, she's got to get help. She this and she's doing this. And you know, my ex-wife had borderline personality disorder and bipolar. Uh, I many times had told her quote unquote, to get help. And it didn't solve anything. Um, and then once she was actually like actually diagnosed with this disorder um, and like it all came out, I, I totally left it up to her. And I'm like, you, you make your own decisions, what you want to do. Uh, I'm, I'm not your carekeeper, caretaker. You're an adult. You're a grown woman. You can make your own decisions. And that was something that, that while I was going through that, I was working with a coach at the time and she told me this about my wife. She said, you got to remember your wife is a grown ass woman. And that hit me hard. I was like, Wow. She's like, your wife is a grown-ass woman. Dude, I'm telling you, unless you married a child, your wife is a grown-ass woman and she needs to make her own fucking decisions. Now, I get how um, these things get in the way. I get how alcoholism can deteriorate relationships. and deteriorates a lot of things. But the fact is, is if you file for divorce, that thing's fucking over. Like, you're not responsible for her and what she does. What I'd be asking the question of, man, Rick, is what in you is causing you, number one, to attract someone like that and number two, what in you is causing you to try to be codependent on someone like that? Because that's all this is, is codependency. You've probably felt like this your whole marriage. You've probably felt like you have to save her, save her, save her, save her. And that saving her is something that you're addicted to. That's where codependency comes from, right? As you feel like you have to do these things to save her, guarantee you had a mother or a father that was just like that. And you felt the same thing as a child that you're now feeling as an adult and you haven't dealt with that shit. That's why we have what we have and Thrive. That's why we we go through this stuff and these guys are shaking their heads. Yes, because as you go through it, you start to uncover and unpack that. And you're like, holy shit, this is way bigger than I thought it was. So I tell my guys, my enrollment guys, when we're on the phone with you, hey, don't make this about the wife or the marriage because it never is. It's always about you. It's always about you, Rick. It's always about what you were doing, uh, what you haven't done, where you haven't showed up. And, and that learning is huge because when you have that learning at your disposal, it doesn't matter what happens to the marriage. As much as we want to save every fucking marriage, man, I wish we could save every marriage. I wish we could, but we can't. And at the same time, there's some that just don't need to be saved because some are just so toxic, so bad that you have to move on. Chris Gibson, we're talking, but not talking. We sleep in the same bed, but still, have, she still has her ring on, says hello. Good morning. Good night. Have a good day. Go to regular Friday night gatherings together. I've backed off and given space. When I do say, I love you, she responds back. Loves, love you. Does it sound like something someone wanting out? Um, if you're feeling, Chris, that your wife is emotionally disconnected from you, I can 100% guarantee you that she is disconnected from you. Um, if you're feeling that and there's there's not the same uh, resonance, there's not, I, I would, I mean, if you haven't asked her, I would ask her like, you know, cause I don't, I don't know the situation. I don't know if she said, Hey, I want out of the marriage. I don't know what, what is actually being said here because you're, you're not really giving much. You're saying, Hey, we're still in the same bed. Still has a ring on says hello. It sounds like you're kind of like in this limbo. And I always, I always like to say this limbo has nothing to do with her. It has everything to do with you because limbo is your own lack of identity, lack of knowing what you want and what you need to be doing. Okay. When you don't know what you want and, and not just in the relationship, but in life, I see this a lot with codependent men, again, when they're addicted to their spouse, that your wife's happiness is your happiness. That is fucking dangerous, right? Is because, and guys, I, all, all of the things I'm saying right now are the things I lived in my last marriage. So it's not like I'm saying this to like shame anyone or make them feel like there's bad person, but like, that was me like to a T I was a schmoozer. I was a people pleaser. I did everything I could to make my ex-wife happy. And even to this day now, I love getting a kick out of telling my ex-wife, no. I'm not going to do that. No, I am not going to do this. Um, we had a we had a thing break down this this past weekend where it was an argument over birth certificates, and I'm like, hey, I need these for passports. I'm going to take my kids on a cruise, and and she was just no, 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 and just just whatever. It's all over text because I don't actually talk to her on the phone. I haven't talked to her face to face in like a year, um, and I just don't have to. Um, I have a beautiful setup now, <laughs> and I literally said to her the other day, I said, you know, these are the things I need from you. And I expect them to be at my house by Monday. And at first she had balked on Monday morning. They were at my house without any question. I said, thank you for sending those over. I will give them back to you when, when I'm done with needing them. And I'm telling you guys, when you lead like that and you have direct communication, it changes everything again, her and I are not together anymore. I've moved on and I am remarried to somebody else. It's amazing. I love my wife, but having that direct communication has changed the game. I am the leader, even when I'm not in a relationship with that person anymore, because of the confidence and the empowerment I have in myself. That's the level of of power that you guys are missing a lot of you. All right, let me go on to Roger Lyons. Wife tells me she works on her mental health and leaving household. We have kids. We go going split weekends. She was upset we were not communicating, but now we are. But she's unsure of the change in me. She's going to focus on me, but what are the next steps? Should I continue to communicate or cut it off to just the kids? So this is kind of an issue where we talk about a neutral woman. Roger, in, uh, in, our, in our Thrive program, um, I don't really know enough totally about your situation because I don't know if she's cheated or if she's walked out of the marriage. So it's hard to give like specific advice to the situation um, without knowing the full context. But I would say this, when you talk about the change in you, if it, <laughs> let, let's be honest here, women are skeptical of men who want to change because they all think of it as it's just bullshit. You're just doing this to get me back. And I can probably almost guarantee you that you are doing that to get her back. If you're, if you're just honest with yourself, um, Roger, like be honest about this. Like, are you doing this just to get her back? And if you are doing it to get her back, then it's not gonna last, it's not gonna work. This is literally what we call in, in, in our in empowered man within our team, we call it the dominant belief that every man must have to make lasting change. And that is, he has to come to the place and I tell my advisors, don't let a guy in to thrive until he can say this, I am ready to make a change for me now. It's about me. If a guy's like, well, I'm going to do this so that I can save my marriage. Nope. We're not letting you in thrive. We only let you in thrive. When you come to the place of saying, this is about me for me, because we know we can't control anything else. That is the only thing we can control. And there's some guys will lie or they'll say, yeah, 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 I'm doing this for me. And they'll get three weeks in the program. And they're like, holy shit. I thought this was about saving my marriage. And I thought this was about this. And then they're like, realize, I need me. Oh my gosh. I've been living this small story. I've been living this like little life. I've been little, like a child. I haven't been a man and now I'm ready to be a fucking man. And it's amazing. So Roger, stop doing it for you. Do it for her. Jamal, do you think it's a good idea to stay in the house together? I don't know, man. I don't really know anything about your situation. Um, it, it really depends on, on a lot of things, but I always, I'm a big fan of, of, um, men not leaving their house, especially in the midst of uh, toxic stuff. I don't know why it is that men always think they're the ones who are supposed to leave the house. Um, I, I didn't until I was ready to go. I did not leave my house till after I filed for divorce and got a house, uh, and moved out. Um, I put, I got all my ducks in a row. I've got financially ducks in a row. I got all these things in a row said, okay, I'm ready to go now. Um, but I don't think that guys should just leave their house. And I, and I talked to an attorney, I made sure that I, you know, that if I left, this was covered and how these things were going to happen. You can't just make these types of decisions without actually getting like true advice. So I don't know enough about your situation, know fully what's going on. Um, I would say that if you're just trying to leave your house to like get some space, I don't, I got to be careful with that. Um, You don't want to be in a situation where you can lose your house or anything like that. Uh, again, I'm not an attorney, so I can't get legal advice. What I would say is if you're considering moving out of your house while you're going through this, talk to an attorney first before you do that. Um, look at the same time, I know guys, some of this is really, really toxic. And some of you are going through some hell and I get that. I went through it for a long time. Um, my ex-wife and I did in-house separation for about five months. Uh, I lived in my son's bedroom with him and that was like humbling and terrifying. And it just, it sucked. It was hard. Um, and it was really on me. I wasn't ready to to move out. I wasn't ready to file. And then once I was ready to file, I filed and I found a house and it all just came together and I moved out and, um, never been the same since. So really you gotta, you gotta figure that out for you. David, what was your aha movement in order to move on? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I would say it was a, it was a, it was a process of, of moving on. Right. Um, I don't think there's any one, but if I could pin it down to a few, um, there was a couple for me around a couple of thoughts for me around the faith side of things. Uh, having a faith background, I was really kind of concerned about like, what's God going to think? And like, is this, sinful is this you know like all all these types of things i was i was struggling with and and you know i i've said this i've shared this uh probably openly a few times and, I, and i'll just i'll share with you guys just transparently what what happened for me i was at a place where i just really wasn't sure i'd even gone to i can't remember if it was the men's i went to a men's retreat but i can't remember if it was before or after this but basically i was i was taking a shower this, this particular day we traded it on and off when i could use the bathroom like she would use the bathroom in the morning i would use it after that Anyways, and I was in the shower and I I specifically remember, uh, being in there and just kind of like thinking about my situation. And it was like, I felt like God, uh, said something to me and it was basically along the lines of, and again, this is faith, this is faith-based stuff. Christian based. I'm not trying to put it on anybody. This is what, this was my journey. Okay. Um, I felt like God said to me, I care more about you than I care about your marriage. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. He said otherwise you'd be married to me in heaven or you'd be married to her in heaven. I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I get it. And and again, if you don't come from that background, you, that may be weird to you or, or whatever. But if you do come from that background, you might understand what the hell I just said. And uh it was, it was, it was, it was freedom for me. Um, because I felt like my God, my creator, my, my source, if you will, felt like he I felt like he gave me permission to move on. And that was what I needed personally. There was some other things where I found out she was sleeping around again and things like that that happened, but that was like the ultimate where I was ready to file. And i was like okay i'm good i can do it now so i guess the the moral that david is again is 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 everyone's situation is different and every man is different in terms of how he makes decisions i think it's like what does it take for you what is the boundary for you and what is that thing for you where it's like once this line is crossed i'm done i'm out i can't do this anymore for me it was always about a lack of actual repentance meaning like i'm like if she's just gonna live the life that she wants to live without any regret or or for you know like she just wants to do whatever that i'm done like i can't i can't live with someone like that that's just just not me and that was my boundary and she crossed that boundary and that was it um and i got you know like i said the, the other things oh see i see, see roger chimed in here i'm trying to communicate more but not because of her but just for me problem i heard a lot but thanks She not cheated, but have single and divorced friends. Yeah, the whole single and divorced friends is bullshit. Um, I I know a lot of you guys like hang on to that thing, like, oh, she thinks the grass is greener. I'm telling you, man, most women don't think that way. Probably 95% of women, or maybe 99, don't think that way. They don't look at their single and divorced friends and go, oh gosh, I want to be you. Maybe in some aspect of like the freedom of it, of like not having kids, but no woman gets married to destroy their family. Right. They're they're not doing this to destroy the family. They're they're thinking of it in terms of, I need to get away from you because of the hurt you've caused me. That's the way women think. I need to get away from this man because of the hurt this man has caused me. After 25 years, my wife told me she had enough. We would argue about her trying to fix things in the house and it cost me money to repair. She moved out and filed for divorce. I really wanted to fix the problem. She'll not have it. So what can I do? She's moved out. She's moved on. There, there's nothing you can do. Other than for you, like, again, as we tell people all the time, we save, we save marriages by saving men, right? Our focus is, is on you and you, you got to look in yourself, man, 25 years of marriage and your wife just leaves. I mean, like who does that, right? She's either crazy or she's completely hurt by you. She's been building and building and building probably for the last two to three years, It's studies show women leave marriages two to three years before emotionally than they do physically. That means that for the last couple of years or maybe five years or 10 years or whatever, it's, it's, it's been taking that long. And finally she has the guts to do it. Guys, I wish I could keep answering all these. How can I get her back? I do. That's not what we specialize in. I, I can't help you get her back. What I can help you do is start to look at yourself. And what we found is when men start working on themselves they will either attract their wife back or they'll repel her. So the work you do internally will either attract her or repel her. Totally up to you. Guys, I, I, there's a, a lot more than I thought we were going to have. Uh, I am grateful for this. Thank you. So we'll see you next week. Bye.